Purpose Highway is a space for discussions that drive connections toward people's highest purpose to build a better self and a better world. Join me for season one, where I start to uncover stories of entrepreneurs and thinkers that are making an impact. I'm your host, Scott Mason, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. It is Scott Mason revving up for another ride down the Purpose Highway. And sitting next to me on the front seat is Michelle Cash. Michelle is a singer, a songwriter, an alt-pop performer. She's a philanthropist. And she's a women's empowerment and animal rights activist as well. Michelle, it is so good to have you on the show today. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. So good. good to see you. It is so good to see you too. And welcome to the Purpose Highway. You have lived a fascinating life. And so without further ado, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and dig right in so that people can find out all about you. Now, you've described your life in interviews that I've read about you as, um, particularly when you were younger, as globetrotting. And you've said that your involvement with music when you were young was mostly as a listener. I'd love to hear in a little bit more detail what exactly your childhood was like. Like, what was it like being a globe-trotting kid? And what would a young girl like you have been expected to be when you grew up? It's a very interesting question, Scott. <laughs> um, I honestly think there's some... You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately about what what's expected of us like as kids or as mm -hmm. girls and and how we're kind of our education is set up, how it was set up. Like I'm reading the feminine mystique right now, which is fascinating and just kind of goes into the roles of women and how they were and how mm -hmm. they are. And I think that um I think there for for me I think Personally, I think there were some mixed messages that, that I had. Like it was like, you could do anything, but then there's this expectation of, you can do anything, but don't you want to do what everyone else is doing? Like, mm -hmm. don't you want to get married, have children, which, which is beautiful, but also don't you want to maybe just kind of not go off the beaten path mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. kind of, I think, I think when I was a teenager, I kind of really got into this. I, all I could see was like people conforming in a way. And I, I really felt uh, angry, I guess. I, I didn't want someone to, anyone really to tell me who I should be mm. and and how I should be. And and it was, it could have, it was kind of lonely at times, which is where kind of music came in and was, was there for me in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that you mentioned traveling. I think that other cultures, other people, a way of connecting with people mm. on a different level that you don't just have walking down the street with someone who's like you. Right. So I, I think that, I think that all of those things and, and there is something I think that was inside of me that was, that was always drive like music or not to be fully myself and to just kind of try to be as authentic as possible. 
which sometimes isn't always easy, you know? So, so I think whatever that drive was, I had that kind of early to be like, like, well, that's, that actually, that doesn't feel right, you know, right. to just pretend. I, I just, I couldn't pretend. And so I don't know where that came from or how, but I'm, you know, that's still kind of who I am now. How did your family react to that? Or was that something that you sort of kept to yourself? Uh, I cannot keep it to myself. <laughs> no matter what, I don't think I can keep, I don't think I can keep anything to myself. Um, I think it was difficult, honestly, uh, with my family. And it still can be. Uh, my family is very different. Um, I think that it was... Like, like my mother kind of used to say that my, you know, she, I have two siblings and she kind of had my brother and my sister. And then suddenly I came and was this like independent, <laughs> own opinions, said no, said why, why, but why, but tell me why. But like, I just want to understand. So that, it, that was kind of where that went. I think it was challenging for for her um, at times and for me, because I, I think that I just needed a way to have some kind of self-expression or creativity that I, that didn't feel that that was, you know, coming out. Like my mother was very supportive of things that we wanted to try, but it, it had nothing to do with her. Like it doesn't, sometimes your self-expression doesn't, I mean, a lot of times it definitely has to do with your environment, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how nurturing and supportive that is for sure. And sometimes it's just an inner, inner angst or, you know, something that, you know, finding the right path and finding what is my voice and where's my creativity? Where does that come from? What do I want to say? What do I want to be? Yeah. How do I want to be in the world? And I, yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating challenge, and I have to say it's one that I can personally relate to myself, and I'm sure in another day and time. We'll talk about that for hours. But I will say one of the things that I found interesting about reading as I read more about your history and, and as I learned more about your own journey was that it appears, based on what I read, that a lot of that began to change and a lot of... Um, focus began to develop after you got more involved in spirituality and, and meditation in particular. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was, that, that did develop kind of more through that. I think that, um, I think my initial connection with spirituality was that, that feeling that I was just describing mm -hmm. that I, I couldn't get out. I didn't understand. And it, and I, uh, I think that especially meditation offered this place to just be and rest and calm and quiet. Yeah. Um, as a child and even now I could get very overstimulated and yeah. like loud noises and, and sounds and, you know, it, it's kind of like oversensory, yeah. which yeah. we're yeah. all having even more of with our phones and everything. Oh yeah. And so I know, right? <laughs> And, um, and that kind of provided this recharge for me, which I think you and I have talked about in the past, like that introverted recharge. Yeah. 
And meditation was really, was really that rest for me and that peace. And, and I kind of went really deep into that and, and it, it really, I really think that it changed completely the path of my entire life and brought me to where I am. I um, want to hear more about that. That's fascinating. Yeah. A, I can personally relate, but B, I bet a lot of people listening or watching cannot, you can either totally relate themselves or they might be thinking, wow, maybe that's something that I should try or learn a little bit more about. So talk to us a little bit about what it means to go very deeply into meditation and about what shifted and how that happened for you and what it felt like as well. Um, okay. How, which part happened? Like going into meditation or and how it sort of it? changed your perspective and helped bring you a little oh. bit closer into this, uh, new phase of your life. Okay. Um, I think for me, I was, I was trying different types of meditation and I also went on retreats, meditation retreats, silent retreats. I had a spiritual group that I really, these really deep connections with these wow. amazing, wonderful people. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was so lovely. And we actually have, we still have a monthly meditation. Really? Meditation over the phone now. Yeah, which is really wonderful. Amazing. It's so nice to connect with everybody, but it really, we're not, we're connecting in silence. Which yeah. Is like, um, yeah. For those so of us I, who don't, oh no, go ahead, finish. <laughs> Well, I think that I was going deep into that. You know, you could also like over, not overdose, that's, I don't want to use that word improperly, but just over binge on spirituality and meditation. It could become, you know, like you're just overindulging on everything. But I, I really, and, and I was doing that for a time, for sure, for sure. But in another sense, that's okay. Like if that's what someone needs in their life, yeah. like I really felt... Like this was saving me in some way. It was saving me. I had no way to process anything in myself. I had no way to process those scent over sensory, my emotions. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so emotional. I'm so sensitive. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I could cry, I could laugh. You know, I'm just in touch with my emotions also. Yeah. And meditation, like I said, gave me that calm. But then, you know, in meditation, which I know we're going to get to my, my voice came to me. Like I, I felt, I felt something in my throat during this meditation and I had this thought like, that's weird. And then that evening, this tone started coming out. I felt this urge to sing, which really? I never felt, never felt not even to sing, just to like tone actually, just to like, make these sounds coming out. I remember being in my hotel room and I was just toning and I was like, that's weird. My, my voice sounds different and my tone of my voice sounds different, like a rasp. And, and that became a meditation for me, this kind of active meditation mm. of toning or, or chanting, I guess, but there was no meaning to the, the notes. Right. And I, that led me on this path of, of just like kind of exploring that, um, being in my apartment, recording myself, singing, almost rearranging songs that I've 
known for a long time and they would come out completely different. Wow. And I, I would listen back and I was like, this is crazy. Like this can't, this is me. Like this is crazy. And I, and, and that became, like I said, this meditation, this way of processing that internal life. It was almost like I had this whole internal life and then suddenly something shifted and then that internal life became this, this external life, like through my voice and through my being and then became living that life. I mean, to go from hiding in my apartment, I wasn't hiding, but I, I didn't tell a soul, I didn't tell a soul. Recording, I had this little recorder that I was taping some of the retreats and I started recording myself on that little recorder. Really? Which I still have, and it's like this little thing. And then I was listening to that, and and I was just, you know, doing that kind of alone. It was like this self exploration thing, and then that became my way of my main way of self expression and creative expression. How did that feel in connection with some of the? feelings that you had that we talked about earlier growing up that sort of sense of dislocation or maybe not quite having the same spirit as the rest of your family did it maybe move you towards feeling a little bit of a reconciliation around those feelings did it separate you further from your family or from your prior experience or, or how exactly did you process that with regards to everyone in your life and what your trajectory had been so far an interesting question. I, I, I don't know. I, I really, like I said, I kept it to myself for a long time. And even when I started kind of coming out with it, I hadn't told my family. Mm. Um, I, I was, um, and I still am, very into gospel music and Aretha Franklin's gospel album. That is the best album. I mean, did you see the movie? That no, I've just, heard about that, and I'm, I'm doggone mad that I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's, it's so amazing. Like, I, I cried. I mean, wow. it was so meaningful to actually see something that you've been listening to for so many years. Um, so that was so that actually really I was I was really in in that at that time. Again, in my spirituality, and that was like also listening to that was an expression of that spirituality and like devotion and love. Right. And also it was an ex like that music and that album especially was helping me deal with that loneliness or displacement or dislocation that, mm -hmm. you know, not knowing what I'm doing, mm -hmm. trying to trust, but that was difficult just to know what I was doing in my life. And, um, so, in terms of my family, like I, I actually, well, from that album, I, when I first started coming out with my voice, I auditioned for a gospel choir. That was my first outing. Wow. Wild. Yeah, <laughs> I, tell us. <laughs> no, I've got it here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I found this, <laughs> I found this ad on Craigslist like two in the morning. I did everything in the middle of the night. Everything was like, I was just up all night. Craigslist in the dark, you know, like what can I find on Craigslist? And I found this audition at this church in the city in New York, and I 
I showed up and I was like, I, I saw like you're looking, you know, can I audition? And they were like, we don't know what you're talking about. There's no ad on Craigslist. And I was like, that's how I got here. And they were, it was this really weird thing that like I showed up and to the service. And anyway, I, I loved it. It was called Expansion Church. I loved it. And then I, um, I, they had auditions like maybe a month later and I got in and I was amazed. I mean, the music they had, Will Stone mm -hmm. was the director of the choir and it was just, it was, it was so wonderful to be with these people in the choir to sing and to express. And, and that is kind of, I think how I first told my family mm. that I was, that I was singing. I have this demo of myself, a guitar singing, singing a cover of Bob Dylan. And I sent it to my mother. I didn't say anything. And I sent it to her. And she's like, wow, this is a, beautiful singer like is that you playing guitar like she didn't think that was me she thought i was playing guitar Whoa. On, the, on the track <laughs> and i was like yeah that's me like it was so so that was kind of that kind of journey how did it feel after all of this the very first time you stood up in front of that congregation in the church in that choir and opened your mouth and started to sing in front of an audience. I mean, I think I, I could cry now thinking about it because I don't know if it was about the audience, but it was about just this connection, this connectivity between all of us and why we were there mm. and connecting in the love that we had inside of us. It was like a new thought church. It's not really like a traditional in the sense, but it was people from all walks of life. And to be able to like use my voice and like be with this group, which became family to me, I thought it was beautiful. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. Wow. Now, you mentioned a little bit earlier, and I've seen this also in some other interviews of yours that I've read, that as you got more and more into music, there was an internal identity shift. Talk to us a little bit more about what that felt like, and was that identity shift one that you just sort of, you know, gleefully slipped into, like, you know, that Oscar or that Grammy ball gown that you'll be wearing one day? Or was it something a little bit more challenging? What was that like? Uh, it was challenging, actually. I mean, to suddenly, to have never been able to hold a tune and then to be able to sing and arrange and all, all this stuff that was that was happening, uh, it was kind of a mindfuck, honestly. Yeah. Uh, it was, though, because it was, if I, look, like I said, like, uh, singing and whatever musically was this kind of meditation. But if I started thinking during the song, or if I started like, thinking like, and I would, cause I would be in my apartment, like I said, and I would suddenly be like, oh my God. Like, honestly, my stomach just dropped, just dropped telling you the story because yeah. it was, it was crazy to me. And I was like, who is this? Who am I? Mm -hmm. Is this, is this real? Like, I was just like 
processing all these questions and I was freaked out. I was freaked out because it was a huge shift for me. Yeah. And, and I didn't relate to my voice at all. I mean, it just came. So I didn't feel like it was me or mine or like integrated. And I say me and mine in quotes because it's, it's, you know, gods or, you know, the infinite or, you know, who, whatever, you know, whatever the word is, love or whatever oneness. So it just didn't, I just didn't relate to it. And it freaked me out. At one point it freaked me out so bad that I actually took a break from singing because I was like, actually, I'm really freaked out right now. I don't know how to deal. I mean, who do you even talk to? Right. Therapist? Like, who are, who are you talking to about? Oh, by the way. I, I also thought, like, did I sound crazy? Like, I sound crazy. Like, I was meditating and then suddenly, I, and people believe me, but, like, if you could hear me even sing happy birthday back then, I, I can't even hold a tune. So... It was weird for me. And then I I got back slowly and I was like, no, I, I'm, this is a part of me. Yeah. It's a gift. It's a part of me. I don't understand it. I'll probably never understand it. And that's okay most of the time. And, you know, let me just receive mm-hmm. and be grateful and be in gratitude and express okay this is i don't know why this is here but like now that it's here like what's what wants to come out what wants to be expressed what wants you know um and those were deep emotions for me michelle what does purpose mean to you I think purpose to me means what is in your heart and what is that, what, what's in your heart? I think really, I mean, in simple terms, what, what is in your heart? What's in my heart? For me, I think, like I just said, like being grateful for like all of this, um, we didn't really kind of go into it, but you know, I really, as cheesy as it could sound, I want to make the world a better place. I want to make animals lives better. I want to make people's lives better. I want to, you know, I want to love and, care and and um connect well it isn't cheesy at all and i found it very interesting that during the preparation for this interview there were a couple of things i asked you if you wanted to talk about and there were two that you made very clear that were things that spoke to you and one was the idea that every human being matters I couldn't help to think about that in light of what you just said a second ago, as well as your own 
extensive involvement in philanthropy. I mean, I could go into some detail about that. I mentioned, you know, the women's empowerment philanthropy that you, you've been involved in, the animal rights activism that you've been involved in. You were involved with activism related to the recovery from Hurricane Sandy, if I believe. You've also given donations to domestic violence shelter um, providers. So this is a very deep and rich philanthropic um, commitment that you've made in your life. Every human being matters. What's the origin of your strong feeling about that? I think really the origin would be the opposite feeling, maybe a deep mm -hmm. loneliness that I had had mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I was younger that was so empty mm -hmm. and alone and, and kind of, um, just that, just that immense loneliness. And mm -hmm. I think that being in that, going through that and really back to music, music in my times that I was most alone, I had that, that was, only thing I had that sometimes that I think a lot of people relate to that meaning they've been through that yeah. I think that um, and I think coming out of that time and seeing a light at the end of the tunnel you know I feel that these types of emotions bring us together as like this commonality between all of us as human mm -hmm. beings. Mm -hmm. I'm a deep feeling person, like I said, and I'm mm -hmm. very empathetic. Part of my deep loneliness was also empathy, seeing people feeling everything, feeling literally every single thing. And, but that was my way of connecting to people. It's calmed down now. I've learned how to kind of handle those feelings mm -hmm. and those connections, but but I feel a deep connection. I mean, it's every person. I, I mean, yeah. it sounds yeah. kind of crazy, but it's like we're we're all humans on this planet. We're all trying to do the best we can, and I think that I think that's what that's the connection for me if that makes any sense. It totally does. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really powerful. One question that I have back for you about it is whether from your perspective and in your experience, that level of empathy is a burden or a gift. I think that has changed that answer over the years. I think that it was for sure I experienced it as a burden. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of sensitivity. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people struggle with that empathy feeling that over, it's an overwhelming feeling. Um, I think meditation, like I said, really helps me kind of almost calm my own senses, almost like put like on, it was like, a, it was like a jacket, you know, it right. was like, Oh, this is, this can be me and this is you. And, you know, boundaries or 
just ways to to process. I definitely think of it as a gift now. I mean, I think it's why and how I connect to people who are listening to my music. It's how I connect to musicians and forget music, just people. Um, yeah. I'm hearing themes of loneliness, of empathy, of feeling on the outside, of meditating to get a leveling of some of these feelings, a story about singing in a choir and feeling this sense of communion with the entire congregation and shared love. I'm also getting a sense of a sudden finding of a voice. Do you see a through line there? Bristler, you're making me cry right now. <laughs> I'm, well, you know what? I've been crying a little bit inside when you're talking about some of this stuff because it's powerful. So we'll just tell everyone who's watching my tears and my emotions. They're just allergies because, you know, it, it's, 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 a, it's a fall like day today. <laughs> but I'm, I say this seriously because what I'm doing is I'm feeling through what you're bringing into the interview, all of these emotions as well. And when I listen to your music, I feel it too. What are your thoughts hearing all that? I think it's beautiful. I mean, I've known you a long time and I have always felt so connected to you. And I think that you have this gift of, of really seeing people. And I think when someone is seen and when I feel seen, it's emotional. There's that connection in that moment. So I feel... I feel, you know. When your audience listens to your music and reacts the same way that I do, how do you feel? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Let's talk a little bit about 2020 because I think your adventure this year <laughs> has been has been one worth talking about. So, you had released a couple of singles in 2019, which I love, by the way, and they're on your website, which are in the show notes, and everyone should take a listen to. And then you recorded a Depeche Mode cover. Talk to us a little bit about that. Um, that was so fun. <laughs> um, I was... I was... I was kind of... I, I, it kind of got in my head one day, personal Jesus. Yes. And then I was just singing in my car and singing while I was cooking, like singing while I was doing this, and like, sing, you know what I mean? And then um, I was like, oh, like, what if this, what if this was like a cover I did? What if I, what if I like put this in the live show? Um, and I reached out to uh, Neil Rimbaldi. He's, uh, amazing guitar player and writer and composer and who I've been playing with for a long time. And uh, I was like, what do you think about this? And then he, he had sent me uh, his guitar arrangement, which is what you hear on the track. And I remember I was in my kitchen cooking, listening in the background, just seeing kind of like what came out of me, like what was going to come out vocally. And, uh, and what you hear on the track is really what, came out Amazing. that night so 
Yeah, it was, it was pretty incredible. So it was in the live set, and it was I was just loving it so much. And then Aaron came in, who's my producer, I had a new co-writer on Smoking Gun and Hurt Me. Um, we were like, let's let's you know, let's record it, let's see, and and that's kind of you know where it started. Well, then you really tickled my fantasy, my my fancy, <laughs> and you tickled the fancy of many other people in my circles when all of a sudden I started reading about these utterly banging, top-tier EDM uh, people coming in and remixing it. How was yeah. it to hear that different version of it? And then what happened with that song once those remixes came out? Uh I love hearing those versions. I love hearing kind of honestly, like any version of me that somebody likes, like, oh, well, this is cool. Like, let me just like shift it to this. It's, it's, it's so awesome. Uh, I mean, it was fun, right? Like you hear that and you just <laughs> want to dance. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I debuted on the Billboard Dance Club chart at 46 and then I continued to climb and I made it to number four, number four, which is amazing. And then the charts froze. Yeah. The charts were the, suspended, right? For the pandemic, yeah. And, and let's talk about that because, you know, I think that just as an outsider, if it had been me, I had a song in the top five of Billboard's dance chart, which, by the way, we both know is an influential chart because it is, right, that's the sort of the future of music, and it tends to be very progressive and has a very wide audience. Um, and then all of a sudden, right when it's about to hit the pinnacle, right? And you're up there, by the way, with Diana Ross. Um, right? Incredible. Then all of a sudden, it freezes. Talk to us a little bit about that. Um. You know, let me first say, obviously, my my first priority and thoughts in those moments were people that were getting sick in the world yeah. and what was happening, people losing their jobs and their livelihoods and, and just everything going to stop. Um, I had at that time been working on, I was about to be on like a, a tour dance club tour, basically performing one of the remixes. I have been training for like two months. I had dancers, I had a whole routine. I was, I was ready. I was <laughs> April 6th with my first performance and I was so excited. I mean, I had, I had never done anything like this before. I had never danced before on a stage. Like I was like, it reminded me of singing for the first time because I was like, wow like we just keep growing as people like if yep. you push yourself who knows what's there yep. and and so that was i was like dying over that this was like wow i was like oh my god this is like my life <laughs> i love it i love it i love it i love it and then that happened and i was like oh my god um you know i i deal with anxiety i do i do i deal with anxiety that sometimes can borderline into panic, panic attacks. And I was, I was in a pretty panicky mode mm -hmm. with, um, when the news of the virus and what was happening yeah. and not knowing anything. Um, so there was this panic about our health and safety. Yes. Um, that was, that was the majority. And, and that, uh, I work with this, 
um, this rescue called Delhi the Street Dog, and uh, who's run by Jessica Hassman, and she transports dogs from India. I personally transported dogs from India for myself for Animal Haven in New York mm. a few months before, and so that these dogs were arriving in LA like the day of the lockdown, and we went to the airport. I mean, it was so it was actually frightening for me because. Here are these dogs. You don't know if it's airborne. You don't know anything. Yeah. And At that time, you're especially. You're showing up for these animals. You had no idea. Yeah. Didn't want to touch anything. You know, it was, it was just this panic. Um. So I, I was dealing with those feelings. Yeah. With music and over the course of those months, it was very disappointing. I mean, yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How has the whole situation this year, um, if at all, affected your own thinking about music, your own voice? And talk to us a little bit about what you're looking forward to happening in 2021. I think with music, I think when when the lockdowns were first happening, you know, I saw so many fellow artists like of any yeah. any level or anything doing amazing things like lives and Instagram lives, Facebook lives, concerts, yes. that stuff like that. Um, I personally, I, I couldn't get there personally. Yeah. I was feeling just like I need to take care of myself. If I'm yeah. kind of dealing with levels of anxiety like yeah. that, um, I can't create. I mean, and that took me a while to kind of accept and not judge myself because mm -hmm. they think that this, this whole pandemic, what are you going to do with this time? Like, are you mm -hmm. writing or recording? And, and I have been writing and I, and I, and I was writing, but that kind of this, that like pressure to create. Yeah. And I, I let that pressure in also. And then I was like, you know what? I actually, this is okay. Like I know myself. If I'm dealing with those feelings, I can write, but sometimes I can't. Yeah. So music was very, and the creative process was like very different for me this year. Yeah. Um, saying that, I did write two songs <laughs> that are not finished, and that's okay also, um, that I, I really love. Um, for 2021, uh, I hope to continue this journey. I mean, I, first of all, I hope that we all continue our journeys in the best health and that yes. we can get back to a new, better normal. Yes. Um, for music plans, I hope to continue, get the band back together, literally, yeah. um, yeah. and see where it goes, uh, you know, one day at a time. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. One last question before we close out this little trip on the Purpose Highway. You mentioned that we can hopefully get back to a new, better normal. If you just have two cents about what might make that new normal a little bit better, share it with us. Hmm. I think that this year put a lot in perspective for people, like what was important to them. Mm -hmm. And what really is not important. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, for me, that hope would be that I could carry and that everybody carries like what's really important to them mm-hmm. from their hearts into the world. And, um, and that's what I think would make, make it a new, better normal. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. Michelle, yeah. tell us where we can find out more about you. What are your social media handles? Tell us where your web- website is. Anything else you want us to know about you and how anyone watching or listening can, to, can soak in more of your Michelle Cashness? Thank you. Um, so my, my channels are Michelle Cash Music on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, my website is michellecash.com. And so you could hear all my music, Spotify. I'm on all platforms, Apple Music, Amazon. Uh, you could hear all my music. And I have a bunch of music that has not been released yet that I'm really excited about also, actually. Oh, good. No plan yet, but it's there. And um, they're ready to go. And, yeah, listen to Pearls of Jesus. Let me know what you think. Follow me on Instagram. And... Reach out, send me a message, happy to talk. And please do listen to Personal Jesus, folks. I've got to say, it is so good. (laughs) I might have to go and do a little twirl behind the curtain here the minute this is over. (laughs) Everybody, Michelle, it has been wonderful going down a trip, taking a trip down the Purpose Highway with you. Thank you for joining me. Everybody, we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Join our community today at PurposeHighway.com and subscribe to get notified when new episodes go live. Scott Mason, checking out.